This podcast is sponsored by Barclay Estates and Management Bristol. Whether you're a landlord or a tenant, Barclay Estates and Management are committed to providing you with the best possible service. We provide a hassle-free service for landlords and access to properties all over Bristol and the surrounding areas. Hello and welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, Robins Reunited. This is episode two now. Um, big thanks to Joe Bernal and Danny Coles for joining me on episode one, the pilot. It's a chance to get two ex-players, ex-staff back together, uh, have a chat about their career at Bristol City. Um, on tonight's episode, we've got over 300 appearances and over 12 years of Bristol City football between them. Um, and if you asked fans of, of the 90s who were sort of two Mr. Consistent players, a lot of them would come back with these two names. So it's Gary Hours and Rob Edwards. Gary, how are you, first of all? Yeah, good, thanks. Excellent, excellent. And Rob? Good. Th- thank you for inviting me on. Be nice yeah. to chat to Mr. Hours and yourself about Absolutely. old times. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Really looking forward to it. It's, it was sort of my, my heyday. And in fact, Rob, if I start with you, you actually signed on my 10th birthday, 27th of March, 1991, 135k from Carlisle. Yeah. Now, now you're making me feel old on your 10th <laughs> birthday. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I uh, hit the dizzy heights of uh, of forty later this month. Uh, yeah, getting getting to the pinnacle. But yeah. Rob, um, yeah, f- fantastic birthday present for me. Getting you signed for uh, from Carlisle. What are your initial memories of joining Bristol City in that in that first year? My initial memories was just like coming into a bigger football club. Obviously, Carlisle was a smaller club, and I played against you know bigger clubs. But you know when you sign for a bigger side, more fans. It was a little bit of a, oh, hang on a minute, the reality struck. And at the time, I think City were doing quite well. They were pushing for the playoffs. They had some good players, Bob um, Bob Taylor, Gary Shelton, quite a senior team, uh, Rob Newman. They were going for the playoffs. So I was very much sort of signed for next year or the year after. But it was, it was, I was, I, I spoke to a few clubs, but it was, it was a nice, you know, it was a move. I think it was a good move for me because it wasn't, if I'd have gone to a bigger club, it would have been even more difficult. But it was it was a nice move to a club that was trying to move forward. And looking back, you actually played for I think seven managers at Bristol City. You signed under Jimmy Lumsden, um, and so you, as you said, were you signed in a specific position? Because I think you were pr- predominantly a midfielder, but you you moved around a little bit. Yeah, I moved around a lot. I had too many managers and too many positions. That was probably the issue. But over those sort of would you say seven managers? There was an awful lot of players, but that's probably the, the the one good memory that all the players that came in and some stayed for a long time, some didn't last too long, but some good memories. Yeah, eight years in all there at Bristol City. That's uh, you know, it's a good it's a good long time there. And obviously, with seven managers, you must have seen quite a lot of changes in your in your time there. But when did you actually break into the first team in that? Yeah, the following year. So Jimmy Lumsden signed me. The following year. I got into the team and played. I think I probably had 12 starts. I was I was in and out. I made quite a good start, you know, four or five games and did quite well. But obviously, I was learning. The level was such a step up from Carlisle. I was learning. And I played most of my, my games at Carlisle at left-back, so I was still learning the position. There were some good players there. I played next to Gary Shelton, who was a good help to me. Mm. And Jimmy Lumsden was a was a really good manager for, for younger players or sort of creative players. 
And I think he was up against it in terms of keeping his job. Obviously, people wanted success and wanted to be at the top of the division, which is what Bristol City is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he always trusted in the young players and always gave me a chance. There was Mickey Mellon, I think, was around the first team as well. Matty Bryant was in the team. Junior was quite young. Wayne Allison. So there were some other younger lads who were, you know, given an opportunity as well. Fantastic. I could bring in Gary now. So Gary, you joined Rob at Bristol City in December 1994, signing from Sunderland for 250k, um, and you signed under Joe Jordan, um, and pretty much went straight into the Christmas party, didn't you? Well, not really. Um, like I say, my last game, ironically, was for Sunderland was against Bristol City the week before. Um, I was sort of it was time for me to move from Sunderland. I had some had my best years, I think. I'd just gone a little bit stale for us. Um, wasn't really getting on with the manager or the or the last two managers there, Terry Butcher and then and then Mick Buxton wanted to move things around, which is fair enough. And I come down to to speak to Joe. Joe put us up in the in the Marriott at the bottom of Park Street. I had a massive apartment overlooking sort of the, the harbour side and everything. I thought, oh, this is this is fantastic. This I didn't expect this treatment. He wined and dined us. That just, and just, for the, just for the first night, that one. Well, I agreed to sign. He put us in the Avon Gorge after that <laughs> <laughs> in a little room in there. I used to wake up in the morning, there used to be pigeons in the room that used to come through the window. But uh, no, um, I'd, I'd always enjoyed coming to Bristol. Um, I'd known some lads from Bristol. I mean, I knew Rob a little bit, in fairness. Rob come from Carlisle. I played against Rob a few times. Really good young player um, at Carlisle at the time. Plenty of interest in him. And and that was part of the attraction for me. I'd been to City. You know, I knew lads like Tim Carter, um, people like that. I'd, I'd, when I played against Bristol City, for some reason, I'd, I'd stayed in the City. Had some had some good weekends away. So, um yeah, it was it, it, when it came. It was it was quite sudden. It was right on Christmas as well. It was. I mean, the timing wasn't great, but I went for it, and um, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time at the club. Yeah. Mm. So you're both from up north, and I don't know, Rob. Are you settled in Bristol, or where are you settled now? No, I'm. I'm in Bristol. You are okay. So yeah. two 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 lads coming down from from up north, and both settling in Bristol. For you. What what was it about Bristol that you loved so much that made you hang around, Rob? Um, I moved to so I had eight years in Bristol, and uh, I met my partner in Bristol. She and she moved north with me, but you know, I think just as a, in terms of a city, it's a really nice city to live. Mm. My, my golf partner's looking at you there, Mister Hours. So we play. There's a few <laughs> nice golf courses around here. The kids are in school. It was just a, I think we were always going to come back to Bristol, yeah. um, and there's a lot of ex players that do settle in Bristol. It's just I think the you know, the, you know, the schools, the sport, what there's to do in the city. And obviously when we're a bit younger, we like to night out as well. Absolutely. And it's, it is the, the sleeping, the sleeping city the, in terms of football. I'll get this question out of the way. Come to you, Gary, first of all. What is it about Bristol that sees us just bouncing around in those middle divisions that we can't quite get to the promised land for you? Well, that, what a tough question. Have you got the you answer? Know, you look at the... <laughs> <laughs> you look at the infrastructure. I've got the answer. We should have the answer. And you know, I don't. I don't like talking about other people's money. But you look at the infrastructure, of the club now. Look at the stadium. Look at the facilities. Look at the training ground. You know, Mister Lansdowne is, is one of the wealthiest 
people in 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 the land by all accounts and um you know it's it's all there to do they're just i don't suppose they've ever been close apart from in recent times when gary johnson got them to the, the playoff final at wembley which was a big disappointment but it's it's a bit of a mystery isn't it it's it's a big city um you know, when I come down from the northeast, I've got to be honest. I thought it was a little bit more laid back for me. It's, it's when you go to, to, to Newcastle and Sunderland, everybody's a bit more on edge. You know, the the, the football's more day to day. Everywhere you go, people walking on the streets with with showing the colours and all that. And Bristol was a little bit different. And I'm not saying that the crowds were any less passionate because when I played in the first Bristol derby, got the shock of my life. You know, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Um, but you know, hopefully that they can bridge that gap sooner rather than later. And we'd all love to see Bristol City in the Premier League for for lots of lots of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And and you obviously you're massively invested, pretty much watching most games in a in a commentary capacity. Um, so yeah, it's been obviously great for you to to maintain that and be able to still see the games with your own eyes. I guess this season. Well, I'm lucky, really. Um, you know, I fell into it by chance. Obviously, was was coaching and managing, had a few jobs, travelling around the country, and then I just got an opportunity. And um, you know, they've stuck with us, so I'm grateful mm. for that. It's it's like anything. You know, you go on there anytime you you put yourself in the in the firing line or in the public eye. Some people you get some good feedback, and 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 some people don't like you. But I try to be honest. Um, you know, it's when you're summarising the game, that's easy. You know, you, you can only say what you see in front of you. I think lots of people could do that. Rob will tell you the same thing. The difficult thing is is always um, the stuff around around the games, you know, managers coming and going and people asking your opinions on on personal matters. And, and, and that's something that I don't particularly enjoy at times. You know, it's I've, I've been in that position. Rob has as well. When, when you're a manager and, and people are talking about you losing your job and people are saying this and the other, it's it's not nice at all. Mm. And and same question to, to you, Rob, in terms of, um, you know, staying in Bristol and uh, do you still keep in touch? Do you get down? I think I've seen you at a number of games. You still get, get down there when you can, I guess. No, I've been lucky in the last year as well since lockdown because I, I go sort of a scouting in my current role. So I go to I don't go all the games, but I must have been five or six times to Ashton Gate and I watch games. But like answering your question, you know, getting out of the championships not an easy thing to do, is it? You know, mm. and I think you know I went to Preston from uh, from Bristol City, and Preston's if anything a slightly smaller club. And Preston have been around it; they haven't got into the, the Premier League either. I just think the one thing City haven't done is they haven't put themselves in a position that it just might happen. You know, they are now, and hopefully, you know, they can finish the season a little bit better and build for next season. you just got to be around it and hope that it's your year. You know, some teams like Blackpool ended up going up to the Premier League, didn't they? I'm sure they didn't think they were going to do it. Mm. City, you know, if you get it, if you chase it too much, you can end up in League One, can't you? So I think that, I think their current appointment shows that they're here for the long run. You know, they've gone for a manager that's done it before and that's the way to go. You know, be around it. It might happen for you, but it's not easy. You know, Gary will tell you that, you know, that I still think, you know, what he says about Sunderland and Newcastle is right. You know, the passion of those areas. There's passion down here. There's no doubt there's passion down here, but, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. 
It's an interesting one that, and I, and I can see where you're coming from with it, Gary. In terms of uh, of you walk the streets and you'll just see Newcastle, Sunderland, you know, shirts. Um, and to some degree, you do that, and I think it's coming on to that. But I think there's it's just a way of life up north, isn't it? In terms of the the the, the passion, and is there is there any other teams? Obviously, in Bristol, you've got a big now massive Bristol Bears rugby team. So there, there's quite a lot of choice. Yeah, there's rugby. I mean, there's there's rugby up there as well as there's, there's, there's the Newcastle team. Is it the Falcons? Mm. Um, there's Durham County cricket. You know, they have all that going up, going up, going mm. on up there. But it's just it's just the football's so intense. You know, we have if you have say Sound of the City on Radio Bristol on a Monday, they've they've got that on every night for two hours. Newcastle and Sunderland radio shows. You know, two morning newspapers, three evening newspapers, independent radio. It's just football, 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 non-stop. And um, it doesn't mean anything. You know, look at look at the, the state that my former club, Sunderland, are in. They, you know, they can't get out of... We're talking about Bristol City trying to get in the Premier League. Sunderland are stuck in, in League One, desperately mm-hmm. trying to get back to the Championship. So you've got to manage your club correctly, I think, you know, recruitment's changing now in um, in football. That's that's a massive element of of being successful. I think. Yeah, no, fair point. Fair point. Okay, let's talk about some of your memories uh, playing at Bristol City. Then uh, first to you, Rob. Obviously, you were involved in in the game, the Liverpool game away at Anfield. Just talk us through some of your memories of that evening. Yeah, no, that that whole campaign was 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 obviously. Good, you know, we weren't doing particularly well in the league that year. Although we were hard to beat, if ever, if ever there was a team, Russell Osman had put together of a hard-working team. It was that was the team. We, we didn't have many flair players. Dave Martin and myself in midfield. Um, I think Tins on the left, Junior, Wayne Allison was it, Liam Robinson, and then we had a really good back four and goalkeeper. I got to say that um, mm. Martin Scott was good. that night against McManaman was. You know what performance that was from him. Andy Lou was a right back who was solid. Bristol boy through and through, and then I think Mark Shale and uh, Stuart Munro with a two centre half with Welsh. He was a, a brilliant goalkeeper. So that team, I think, I think that team nearly broke the. I think it's been beat since, but I think beat the clean sheet record in the league. So we were tough to beat, and that we took that into the into the cup competitions. Uh, unfortunately, the the big disappointment was people tend to forget we got beaten by was it Charlton in the in the fifth round, which was a bit of an anti-climax. Well, the yeah. Liverpool night was listen. The Liverpool night was brilliant. No one um, remembers the Charlton game. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was that was a big disappointment. The fun, the the daft thing was over the three games because it was well, it was two and a half games, wasn't it? I was just going to say that, yeah, because it was it was the same score both times, but obviously the the first time the floodlights went out, didn't they? And I think we probably give Liverpool a bit of a shock when they came down there because the the pitch wasn't great. We got in amongst them, and it was a, it was a tough night. But they they were top players. Mm. But uh, yeah, my big memory was that after we beaten Liverpool, we went and lost to Charlton, which was slightly disappointment. And uh, Mr. Hours played in a cup final. That was as far as I got, I'm afraid. Yeah, exactly. well, that was the season before. Funnily, quite yeah. ironic. I think um, Liverpool were the holders, weren't they? Because they yeah. just beaten us yeah. in 1992. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned the cup run, actually, Rob, and obviously I think it was Stockport, was it the 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 the, the round before? It was. They had you know, Kevin Francis. He was about right. six, seven. Yeah. We we ended up playing Leroy was senior. Leroy could head the ball like you couldn't believe. So Russell played him centre half, and he just went and headed the ball against Kevin Francis because 
I think he'd have beat up Stuart Monroe or Shaley. So yeah, that, that was a you know what you have to do as a manager then. But did we win that four nil? I think that was quite. A yeah, convincing. that was my first mem my first memory of a beam back. We watched it. I watched it in the East End um, on a on a TV screen that they put up. Um, so that was uh, an interesting one as uh, watching that. But um, yeah, so that that meant that that winning game that that game at, at Anfield. How did you sort of, you know, come down from that? Was it just business as usual and straight on to the next league game? Was there any sort of mini celebration? How did you react as a team to, 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 that, to that conquest? Uh, we came down the way we came down from most games and it was usually a couple of cases of beer on the, on the coast. <laughs> <laughs> what beer was it? What, what was your beer of choice back then? Uh, it was, I, I, I remember Neil Ruddock chucking a load of beers on the coast. I don't know why I think he was friendly with Russell Osman, but he just came and just, smashed a load of beers on the back of the coach and okay. you know one thing about that you know that generation of players of those time was they could you know they, they played hard like unbelievably dedicated to win games people like Dave Martin and Shaley and all those boys would do anything to win or like after a game they'd enjoy themselves and we'd have a laugh by the time the bus pulled up in Bristol they'd all be sensible because their wives would be here but we had a laugh on the way back that was for sure oh fantastic and then straight into training the next day, or did you have the day off? <laughs> no, we, there wasn't too much of recovery then and uh, sports science, so it was probably just sleep off, running around and a few beers, and then back in training on the Thursday, I think. Yeah. And Gary, when we, when we spoke on, on the regular show of Three Peeps in a Podcast and talked more about your sort of end-to-end -end journey, um, you said that you couldn't ever find many of your goals on YouTube, but obviously I did a bit of digging for you and found a fair few, and there were some absolute crackers in there. Yeah. The, not to sound uh, surprised. No, I did. I, 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 when I scored, I, I did score a spectacular goal. There was a couple on there against Rotherham. There was the hand of God against um, Chesterfield that Sean Dyche never forgive us for, ever. <laughs> uh, and the one that, I, that you didn't find, I, I scored a goal at Port Vale, I think, the first season I signed it was headed out from a corner and um, just felt to me at the edge of the box and I, I sort of just dug my toe right under like a sand wedge and, and chipped the keeper who was still on his line. And it's probably one of the best goals I ever scored. Even Mark Lawrenson said it was a good goal on when he used to do right. the football for uh, ITV down here. But um, unfortunately, not, I, I can never find it. Did you not score a goal in the in the running for the when we got promoted with John Ward? He scored in... I scored a goal uh, header against yeah. Walsall. That was it. I scored in the, the playoff against Brentford. I mean, that, that was a big disappointment for us, really. We were sort of yeah. flying towards the end of that season and we got in the playoffs against Brentford and everyone fancied us and and we lost out to them. That was that was a massive disappointment at the time. But yeah, I scored a I scored a header in that game. So I could, you know, I could nick a goal with my head. I could nick a goal from outside the box. Probably should have scored more, but yeah, I did. I did score a few decent ones. Yeah, and, and in terms of positioning, I'd say both of you generally thought of as midfielders, but Gary, you you were also a, a fullback and the same as same as Rob, so quite flexible players. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, when I in the when I was really fit, um, when I was younger, if that sort of wing back role had been invented a little bit earlier, that might have suited us. And I just because I ended up playing there, I you know. I'd, Dennis Smith had played us at Sunderland, right back, left back, left wing, right wing, everywhere, because you could just get about the pitch. Over the years, it I don't know. I probably meant I played more games in my career, 
at times I wonder whether it backfired a little bit because he always preferred to play in the centre midfield as a centre midfielder you, over the years your game has to change because you know over the course of time you, 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 your body becomes different Rob just said about sports science we we probably trained harder than we played we didn't get rest and recovery days we overtrained. we went for it every day there was no one telling us you know uh, went to go inside and nobody waiting for us with a bowl of pasta and a and a milkshake. We were, you know, fend for yourself. So we often wonder about that. In in the modern game, we, we probably would have played till we we're much much older in, in in many many more games. And we both, I mean, we both got through quite a few games between us. I would say. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Rob, other than the Liverpool game, any games that, that stick out for you? Obviously, you scored five goals for Bristol City. There must be a, a, a memorable goal in there. I reckon if you put all them goals, how far they were out as well, it wouldn't have been 25 yard or honestly. They were still... <laughs> <laughs> I scored my, my best goal and my only good goal <clears throat> was against Peter Shilton. We got beat 4-1. I scored a consolation goal. That was my only goal that you could remember. It's on YouTube if anybody wants to have a look. Well, I think we, don't, about, we certainly will. <laughs> there's about 12 views and I've me about 11 of them. But yeah, <laughs> if, if you don't think you're going to score, you don't score. You know what I mean? If you don't, you've got to run in the box thinking you're going to score. And it wasn't my thing. I just, I don't know. I, even when I see myself play now, I'm like, any chance of running in the box? You know, you only you only score don't you, if you think you can. And like Gary says, he, you know, he used to run in the box with a little bit of intent that he's going to get on the end of it. I was scoring, happy. scoring past Peter Shilton, that's uh, you know, that's something you can uh, tell your grandkids. Yeah, that was the youthful sort of exuberance that you don't care and you get on with it. That was before I started worrying about I better hold out the box and this is my role and stuff. But no, it, it was actually a decent finish. But no, I was more comfortable trying to as the holding midfield player and, and staying out. But I think I scored more goals in my older when I was older when I was playing at Exeter, like lower down the leagues, I scored more goals because I went up for corners, but. No, it wasn't my thing. Goal scoring, sure. Yeah, let's talk about some of the uh, some of the players that you guys played with. You've mentioned a few already, obviously in that Liverpool team. Um, but picking out sort of you've got between you, as I say, uh, from from nineteen ninety one to nineteen ninety nine between you, uh, who was the best goalkeeper for you during that time? You mentioned Keith Welch, who was always again Mister Consistent, lovely moustache. Um, would you say him or would you would you pick someone else, Rob? I've got to say, I always got on well with the goalkeepers. I thought they were, for whatever reason, they're a little bit wacky and a bit good, great characters, aren't they? They're always brilliant characters. But I think Welshie was clearly, and I think Welshie would be worth a lot of money now because he was good with his feet. He was really good with his feet. And when the law changed, I think it changed about like 94, 95, didn't it? it you know, but no one sort of played through the goalkeeper like they do now. Welshie would be Welshie, I think, would be a top keeper now. I think he'd be around the Premier League. I, I do because he could, he could make a save like you have to, but he could also, you know, with his feet. Um, so he, he'd be a clear, clear one for me, definitely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I can. I've got memories of, of of Keith Welsh as well, and always sort of comparing goalkeepers of the future back to him. Really, he was sort yeah. of the the milestone, if you like, wasn't he? He was good. He, I mean, I think I think City paid a good bit of money for him. I think they paid like two hundred and fifty grand before me, like early 90, 90 maybe nineteen ninety ninety one mm. from from Rochdale. So it was a lot of money they paid for him, but he he paid them back. I always thought he should have. The one thing that held Welshie back was, you know, he was content playing at the level he was, which I probably could throw at myself as well. Or a lot of players that came to Bristol, whereas you know the boys who get to the top have that hunger 
and determination. Gary will know that from the lads he played with at Sunderland. Mm. You know, and, and for me, Welsh attitude-wise, if he'd have pushed himself just a little bit more, he could have he could have moved on. Yeah, same question for you, Gary. Um, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure when Welsh left, but um, were you there with with Keith Welch? Yeah, no. I mean, he was a really really good goalkeeper. Although I probably wouldn't have thought that after the first week. I think it made me my debut at West Brom away, and it was nil nil. There's about ten minutes left, and someone rolled a very very slow back pass to him, and he went to kick the kick the case of it. Just before he kicked it, he hit a divot, went over his foot, and we lost one nil. Who's this clowning goal? But um, he was he was he was a great lad. He was a character. He always had a smile on his face. He was forever like doing doing things that nobody could do in the dressing room. He he he'd chuck it in a deodorant up and catch it on his big tour. He'd shut his eyes and roll his sock up and throw it in the bin and he'd get it in every time. He'd right. tell you what he was going to do before he did it. And um, Rob's right. You know, I think we I seen it on, on one of the worst pitches ever at Ashton Gate. I think he got another back pass and, and the centre forward went to close him down. He just cheekily chipped it over his head and ran around the other side and, and cleared it. But just natural. I, I think he's the most natural talent I've ever seen as a goalkeeper. Um and like like Rob says, I you know I wouldn't. I'm not saying he didn't work hard, but you know I've seen some goalkeepers that that would be out there diving around in the mud and just for the sake of it. Well, she was a little bit more conservative, but a very very good goalkeeper. I mean, I was good friends with Stuart Naylor as well, and I think in fairness, Stuart had had been a, an excellent goalkeeper, played at a really good level, um, just. Had a little bit of trouble probably with his knees when by the time he got to Bristol City. But um, yeah, Keith was Keith was a character and and, and he was the exceptional goalkeeper. Well, looking at uh, trusty old Wikipedia, he actually was at City until 1999 um, uh, with 273 appearances. He he must be one of the top appearance goalkeepers, I think, um, over the over the course of time. Yeah, I mean he's not. I've seen him at the Fulham game. Actually, it was lovely to catch up with him because yeah, he he's, he's not a well. person that has, yeah. you know, we've, we've never seen him. We sort of lost track a little bit, and then he was at the Fulham game with his family. So it was it was lovely to see him. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Okay, let's work our way through defence. You've mentioned uh, Mark Shale, um, Stuart Munro, and and a few others. There's there were some absolutely fantastic defenders, central defenders um, for us during that period. Um, Rob, if you had to pick pick a couple out for us, when I first came to the club, there was uh, Matty Bryant and Paul Marden, who were two Bristol boys that I, I thought might go on and do do well for themselves, but probably didn't achieve the potential they showed. Both of them were quick. I don't know if you remember them. Really quick and dominant in the air. I think Paul Marden went to West Brom and yeah. did reasonably well, but didn't push on. But Matty Bryan was a good player. Matty was quick, could head it, you know, decent distribution, although that wasn't the game then, was it? It was about defending for your lives, which Matty could do. Uh, like the night out, Matty, probably a bit too much like we all did. Um, well, and a Bristol, but- Bristol boy as well. Bristol boy, yeah, good lad. But he, I thought he'd move, he went to Gillingham, didn't he, after Bristol City? And he's never been seen since, I don't think. Goes someone, uh, I bumped into his brother and his brother said, no, he never goes anywhere near Ashton Gate. Just, you know, stepped away from it, doesn't want to go back. So, interesting. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Just, yeah, Matty was a good player. Yeah, I actually played um, with his two brothers for Deerswood um, back in the day. So, yeah, it was always, uh, it was always good to have a, a Bristol 
Bristol boy in there as well in the team. And we, we mentioned this with, with Joe and Danny, obviously both Bristol boys. Um, and it just really helped bring that community together when you added in a few extra, extra talent from it from elsewhere. But it was great to have that nucleus of, of, of Bristol, Bristol boys. Um, Gary, for you, do you want to be able to pick out um, a defender from your tenure? Well, the left, the left footers really, I mean, I'm not just saying it because he sat there, but I knew Rob before he come down. Always very, very consistent. They always thought he was a very, very old head on young shoulders. I am now. Now he's an even older head on on old <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> but he was always very calm and composed. Um, then obviously Darren Bernard didn't he when he when he come as a midfielder from Chelsea and it wasn't happening for him in midfield. I think it was probably Joe. Was it put him at left back? And then he really benefited benefited by that move. Mickey Bell come in, another left footer as a left back was had an exceptional career at Bristol City. So um, yeah, some really really strong players. I mean, Shirley was injured a lot when I was there. People were trying to come in. Sean Dyche come in. He was injured. Adam Locke done done well. I think he's quite popular with the with the fans as a right back. We had Jason Cundy come in at one point. Wow, another yeah. big name but just didn't you know he was only here for a short period of time so probably the most consistent players I think were the, were the left footers Rob, Mickey and, and, and Darren what, remember what, when Clay, Clayton Blackmore came in Clayton yes. yeah I remember that well, Clayton come and um, and had a spell I think he went back to Middlesbrough and played in, in two cup finals didn't he, he did. after that yeah. same season right. I remember him going for a night out with us do you remember that <laughs> night out <laughs> We go on, go on, <laughs> say, I tell, well, we did. We we went out for a night out with him. To like and he was dropping him, didn't he? he was pouring the tits off us and name dropping. So we just <laughs> left him on his own. <laughs> we did. We, we, said, we did a swerve. Yeah. Next morning we he said, said um, you go, didn't he? I said, I don't know. I lost you, Clayton. Sorry, mate. <laughs> but Clayton was all right, but he like we 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 he was a big hitter, wasn't he? So he was we were in there, uh, was it Chicago's? And he said, um, there was me, Sparky, which is Mark Hughes, and Giggsy, <laughs> and Big George. <laughs> so Rob went, Big George? Went, who's Big George? He went, George Michael. <laughs> so me and Rob looked at each other. We went, time to go on, the toilet. Come on, we're off. And he went to the toilet. <laughs> we went to disappear and left him. Brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, Big no, George and all. Yeah, exactly. One one player always intrigued me, and I wonder what he was like off the field, Sean Taylor. Give us your, your sort of memories, maybe Rob first, of, of Sean Taylor, because on the pitch, he was literally would go around just smashing everybody, it would seem, with a gum shield on and usually like something keeping his head together. <laughs> he, he's probably not what you think. Honestly, he's an absolute gentleman, Big Sean. I know him and Gary were, were close. He, he's a great lad, Sean. You'd think he'd be this same character off the pitch. Off the pitch, he was a you know really soft, gentle character, you know, family man, you know, nice quite family. Quiet and quite introverted, was he? Introverted, yeah. I mean, he won Player of the Year every club he played for, didn't he? And was he, like the fans could really buy into sort of how he played Sean, and he, he'd shoot him out of a cannon. He'd go and win that first header, wouldn't he? He was incredible. I remember playing centre half with him. I played right sided centre half. I think I played for about twenty times at centre half with Sean before Lewis Carey broke into the team. And I say to someone, like, he, he was brilliant to play with because, obviously, if the ball went on Sean's head, he headed it. If it went between the two of us, he headed it. If it went on my head, he headed it. It was like, <laughs> Sean, 
like, but what a great, great lad when he when he gets. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, we're talking about defenders. He'd be he'd be at the top, and and Lewis obviously, who I didn't didn't mention, was coming in the team as a young lad. But as Rob said, he was he, he turned into a warrior on the pitch. Um, but I mean, off the pitch, and and I've. I still keep in touch with them over the years. I've always been close with them, got on with them, worked with them a couple of times at different clubs. If you've gone out for a beer, he'd come. He'd, he'd stay overnight. He'd, he'd sort of come and he'd join in. I remember we all went to a um, we all went to a phone party one night. What was that? What was that place called in town? Oh, the works. No, the one in the middle. There was rubble. No, it's Sean Taylor in a phone party. In the phone party, right? And we're all ill. We're all ill the next day. So like. We probably had 10 pints and we all blamed. We said it must have been the foam. Yeah. <laughs> it was called the Ritzy. The bubbles. Oh, the Ritz. Yeah, Ritz. yeah. Yeah, Ritz. The Ritzy, that's yeah. it, yeah. Foam party, Sean Taylor's bouncing above the foam. Brilliant. Heading the disco ball. <laughs> see, see this, is, this is the stuff we want. Yeah, keep keep it coming. What uh, <laughs> What did Rob get up to in uh, in his foam party? Yeah. No, Rob, Rob's like just, we're talking about before, he has got, he's got a fierce rage in there. Ooh. He's like the volcano, and every time it goes off, it, it just goes off now and again. But <laughs> it went off one day. We were in we we're in the dressing room, and, and uh, Richard Dryden upset Rob for some reason. So Rob picked the teapot up and threw it at him. <laughs> Hit Richard on the back of the head. He had to have about eight stitches in his head. Oh, what did Alan Hedford think of that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what Richard thought. Funnily enough, I saw him the day Richard Dryden. I was telling Gary before I bumped into him. He's at Forest Green, and he always says to me, "What about when you chuck the teapot at me?" I, said, yeah. Sorry, mate. I, I, I blame the influences of Dave Martin and Birdie because they must have been making me angry at the time. But oh god, I got to give um, as well as the defenders. I got to give Shaley a mention as well because he, he was my he was a good pal of mine. Shaley Shaley was a good player. Shaley, mm. you know, good footballer when he could head the ball and defend. He came in at the game late. I remember the first day he came on, uh, Russell Osman had signed him and he came and he, he must have stood on everyone's foot in training and booted everyone. And he had, I mean, he had the worst hairdo you've ever seen. He had this <laughs> mullet down the back of his head. It was it was a highlighted mullet, right? Wow. And Scotty said to him, that is some Barnet, but Shaley was Shaley was his, his old man, do you know what I mean? But he was a good player. Yeah. You mentioned Dave Martin a few times. He's another one who must have a few stories uh, stories to tell. What was it like on a night out with Dave Martin, uh, Rob? Uh, Dave was just... Uh, like I've I got to say, though, if, if you were a fan, you couldn't have anybody playing for your team who, wanted, who would do anything to win, Dave. He'd just do anything. That's how he was brought up. Mm. You know, the clubs he'd play for, Millwall, Wimbledon. You know, he'd been around the crazy gang. But he came in and... As well as all the stories, and I'm sure Gaz has got some as well as me, but he could play as well, Dave. He could play, you know. We called him Diesel, and it was, and like people said, why do you call him Diesel? Because he was just a little bit slower than everyone else. That's why he was the <laughs> Diesel. But he was, you know, in terms of like competitor, he was ferocious in the tackle. Honestly, he could head the ball, but he was um, on and off the pitch. He was, uh, he, oh, there's some stories. I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of some. Gary, you can give us a story. Well, I mean, him and Ian Bed, the, the the dressing room used to be like benches around the outside of the dressing room. There's a little cove, like an alcove, where you could only get two people in. And Ian Bed and Dave Martin used to sit in there like them two men out the Muppets and, <laughs> and just be there first thing in the morning. And honestly, I mean, I've, I've been some 
tough dressing rooms, but they were vicious. I've never known anything. They ruined some people. You had to be really strong to, to sort of, you know, to, to keep your head above the water with them too. Mm. But he was, he was a, I got on with him great. He was a little bit cool towards me, I think, because I'd sort of come in and I was I was playing. He wasn't. But I, I sort of arranged the end of season trip away. I think we went to Grand Canary and I had a I had a contact out there. So we got it all free. Um all we had to do was get there. Mm. Eventually we got there. I think me and Bertie nearly had a fight at the at the departure gate at uh, at Gatwick and, and nearly didn't get on the flight. And when we got there the next morning, Bertie and, and, and David basically trashed the room through all the, the sun lounges and everything into the pool. So <laughs> had to be very, very diplomatic to uh, make sure that we could stay for the rest of the week. But it was all it was all good fun. He is, he is a character. I'd played against him. I knew it was like, like Rob says, you, you wanted him in your team. Um, but two, like, you know, the the, the environment in the dressing room at times, I, I, I just I couldn't explain what was going on. Anybody, it was so personal. It was cutting. They'd, they'd try and cut you down. That You know, that. I think they demoralise one or two players, to be honest. That almost sometimes is like a rite of passage in some sort of sports, and, and particularly back in back in the day. What did the manager at the time think of that? Did they just sort of turn a blind eye? I don't think they knew what was going on. I think the, the dressing room was the dressing room. It was like, I don't know any manager really that's really got involved in the dressing room. I mean, it was... Okay. At times, I'm you know I'm not, I'm not saying they're bad people. It was Bertie's. No, no, no. You know, since since I left and um, over the years, and I played against him for years, I, I get on with him great. You know, I've got great admiration for him. Um, how he was as a professional, I know he left under a cloud, didn't he? Because he sort of come off in that game, and he he sort of give the uh, the sign to the crowd, which which didn't go down very well. But um, it's just the way it was. You know, Rob Rob will tell you the same. You, you you had to sink or swim, and, and and one or two people I think found it um, hard to cope with. It was it was banter, but banter of the the highest order. I, I think what you what you've got when you've got football teams that where all the players are coming from different parts of the country. There's lots of different cultures mixing together. Sometimes you know if there's if there's a a group of lads from Bristol, that sort of culture will they'll the, the players will fit in with that a bit like Peacock and Matthews did with Joe and Danny and, and Lewis and Tommy and all those guys. Um but that might be that might be part of it, I think. Um and how those how those players all interact together. Uh, but yeah no it's it's uh it's it's really interesting to to have that insight into into some of these players. But one one player that I've got lined up for a future podcast um who I literally, when they left Bristol City, I didn't, I didn't know sort of what what they're doing now. I don't know what they're up to now. So I'm looking forward to finding out. But Junior Bent, um, obviously, you've you've played with him and against him. I expect Gary. Um, in terms of how he played, he was always someone who would get the ball and would just set off down the line, um, and either get a shot in or get a cross in but he was he was a player that was always quite exciting what was he like off the pitch gary absolute diamond one of the nicest men i've ever met in football yeah that sort of moved out to yet i think junior was out this way as well heart of gold um you know he was very much part of the banter as well him and him and buster used to have something going i think junior played a game Buster'd say it was the only good game he ever had, and, and there was a headline that 
Junior was a golden nugget. So Buster would, would call him Nugget all the time. And um, Junior would call Buster Stuntman because he was always jumping off a cliff or abseiling somewhere. So there was... Um, and um, Buster would be talking about his time in the army and, and, and Junior would be saying that he, the only thing he did in the army was peel the spuds and that. So there was... <laughs> You know, there was, they had their good little good little thing going on. It was quite nice, actually. It was a little bit more laid back. Uh, I'd played against him. Actually, he was at Huddersfield. I'd played against him in, in, when I'd been younger. I knew all about him. And on his day, he was electrifying. We used to, like, you know, we'd rib him a little bit and would say that he always would beat three people and then cross it into the, into the crowd or, or something like that. But he took everything the right way. Um, I mean, the... the there was a story we, we played Everton I think in the cup the year Everton won the cup yeah. and we played them at Ashton Gate we should have beat them we should have beat them I think we lost 1-0 and we've been training at, at Fairland on the um, the day before the game and, and Junior been doing the warm-up beside the golf course and the golf ball come over the hedge and hit him right oh, right God. on the eye So he didn't play no, I think you did. I think you had a good <laughs> game, actually. So there was a bit of humour about that. Mission, did it? Yeah, but uh, I mean, Rob will tell you. He, yeah, he Rob, a, your thoughts on, on, on Junior Bent, obviously, you know, how, how getting the ball out to him and him sort of taking on players, that's exactly what you want, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think Gaz is right. I, I, honestly, I think I, I feel for I felt for Junior because I think, you know, he's talking about Bairdy and um, Dave Martin. They maximised absolutely what they had and played at really good level. Junior because of how he was and how the game was, if you could coach, have coached him really well, Junior, I think he'd have been an unbelievable player. His pace was frightening. It was Premier League, you know, that day against Everton, he was against David Unsworth. He just kept running past him. Mm. I remember playing against Junior in training because I was a left-back occasionally. He, he, he absolutely destroyed me. I thought, how am I ever going to be a footballer? This kid, he was rapido, wasn't he? Yeah. And like Gary says, what a great lad off the pitch because he, he, he took some stick. I'm telling you, the kid took some stick. He missed some chances. That Liverpool game, he could have had 10 goals himself and he got he got some stick and didn't really get helped, I never thought, by the coaches because that's just how the game was. People didn't do that then. Now there's individual coaches, you, you, you get him finishing. But the best story about Junior is, and I could tell you where he is now, so I moved to Preston the night and um, he works in a bank in Preston, in the Barclays Bank, because he moved to Blackpool and then retired and stayed living in Preston. And I hadn't, I didn't know any of this. And I pulled into a petrol station and he was there looking at me. And he went, no How way. you doing? And I bear in mind I'd lived in the I'd lived in Preston now for six years. He went, at the bottom of your garden, there's a path. My garden's at the bottom of that that path. So we virtually looked, our houses looked at each other. We didn't even know. I was like, no Well, thanks for coming and saying hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must have liked me then. How many years was that? About six years I'd lived in Preston. Oh my god. Him. And I said to him, what are you doing? He said, oh, I work in the in the Barclays Bank. So he, I think he had two or three years at Blackpool. Yeah. Ran down the wing, missed a few chances like he did, but great lad. And um, I, I think, I, I've got to say, for the time I was here, he was a handful for defenders, but just needed a little bit more help, I think, from the coaches at the time. Yeah. Oh, wow. Junior uh, event. Yeah, no, it's it is it is one, and I didn't. He didn't come back to the to the Fulham game, did he, for the 125 years? No, quite a shy kid, I think, Junior, probably right. wouldn't a lot, you know, after players that me and Gary know, most of them probably just pack in and never never want to talk about it. Some of us like us, like, keep, keep coming back for more. a little bit, don't we? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't do anything else, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, exactly. All right. Um, so we've gone through a few players into into the midfield. Obviously, you've got yourselves. Um, when you weren't playing on the same team, you and you and uh, you know both of you in the same team in the midfield. Who was someone else you like to play alongside, Rob? Uh, I mentioned Gary Shelton. He was a good old pro, fit as a fiddle, could run all day and good player, played at a good level. Um, I, I really liked, i got to say, I, I enjoyed playing with Tommy Doherty. What, what a great lad. We, Me and Gary play golf with him occasionally now, but mm-hmm. Bristol boy, if he if he could have had a hamstring, a little bit quicker hamstrings, I think he'd have played <laughs> at a higher level, but he could, he could, he could tackle, pass either foot, head it, score goals. He just couldn't get around the pitch. I remember one day he said to me, we were playing in midfield together and he said, oh, we ain't bad, you and me, but oh my God, we can't run, can we? And I was like, no, we can't, mate. But he was a, he was a good player. Uh, one of Gary's sort of sidekicks was Martin Cool. He was a talented boy. Was he Probably cool? Didn't... Was he cool? Cooley? Was he cool? <laughs> For, <laughs> too cool. <laughs> I, think he, I think he's cool if you give him the ball and he wants to take the ball when Arthur Vashton Gator getting onto people and telling us we're not very good. He was he was cool for me because he just took the ball. He was brave on the ball. He could pass it. Um, he was cooler on the pitch than he was off the pitch for me, but he was a good player, Cooley. <laughs> I remember one one game when Martin came off as a sub and he went and sat in the crowd. I don't know if you remember that, but it sticks out in my memory for some reason, but he actually came off and maybe he didn't want to go back to the dugout because he didn't want to come off. He just went and sat in the crowd. I think I remember that. That sounds like Cooley for you, doesn't it? But he, yeah. he was a good footballer. There's no. I remember playing against him, and he was in that good derby team as well. I'm thinking he came in similar time to uh, Joe brought in players like Gary and, and Cooley, who'd sort of a little bit more experienced. You know, who come in and help the team, which is what we needed because mm. we were at the level. You know, what I mean, the championships full of players who you know who've been there and done it. So, and then later on, later on, I, I always thought to myself. The, the last couple of years, you know, we were we had a real good chance of, of we, we went up from League One, didn't we? And we had a real good chance of, of, of doing well in it. That final year in the Championship was sort of a big regret. I didn't play loads that year. I don't know if Gary played loads that year, but it was... Well, I'd left, didn't I? That's why when I left that. and I should yeah. have stayed. Yeah, so that was... That was, that that was, was a big it. regret for me. Yeah, but we, we, we started bringing in, I thought, like, you know, the, the, there must have been four managers, groups of players then. And obviously, Benny came in and started bringing foreign boys in, and it was just the whole dressing room was just all over the place. But um, you know, they, they were we had to. We, I've got to say as well, Brian Tin was an interesting one. I think Tins was the first sort of wide player that started coming playing inside in in the inside spaces, didn't he? And getting on the ball, and Tin and Tins was a good player to play with because uh, you know at the time it wasn't all about possession, but he could certainly keep the ball and, and make a pass. Tins, so Tins was a you know a good player as well. Yeah, great shout. Okay, uh, let's move on to the to the to the front two or front one or front three, however however it was. Um, you you've you've all both played with some some absolute you know standout strikers at Bristol City, but um, could if you could pick out maybe one for one or two for me, Gary. First of all, uh, yeah, just very very quickly. I think just to add to, to what Rob said, I think a young Tommy Doherty for me he was he was he was my favorite great character great lad so love to to bump into him now and um you know what a player he, he could have been what a player he was actually when he burst into the team yeah um but and moving last, forward i mean there's yeah. only one i think you you know the outstanding 
outstanding forward. Rob might say the same was 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 Sean Gorter. You know, come I remember <laughs> remember him turn up for pre-season and what a mess. Like, you know, overweight, had all kinds of lumps in his in his t-shirt everywhere. You know, <laughs> I don't know what, what, what was going on underneath his t-shirt, but got himself fit. Joe stuck with him. He, he, he'd sort of always seemed to score against us for Rotherham. Yeah, and he was one that such a such a gentleman, um, gentle person, could just score a goal out out of nothing. Could could um, I remember a goal? I think he scored at Burnley. Might have been a, a chest volley or something, but could do nothing in the game and then then get a chance and, and just score and, and obviously went on to be a top top striker and um, mm. famous famous name in the game. Absolutely. I remember one game, I think we were three nil up at half time. I think he got all three. Yeah, I mean he just I don't know how he did it sometimes. You you, you thought he was was lazy. I'm not sure he was rapid, but he did sort of pull into good areas and um he could finish. He's just a just a natural finisher and then obviously, you know, went on to have a great career. We had Agostino come in. Done well for a little while, got himself a good move, really. Went on to move to Germany and, and, and played in the Champions League, I think. Um, and then, I mean, they're, they're the two that stick in my mind. Yeah. And and for you, Rob, um, playing alongside Wayne, like Wayne Allison, he was, was a, a player that stuck out for me um, in my sort of teens. Was he, was he, was he as, as good as he looked? He was a handful, wasn't he? He was the strongest man. One of the, the strongest men on the pitch, the Chiefs. <laughs> what, what an unbelievable character as well. Like, you know, brilliant lads. Same as Junior, you know, I think from Huddersfield, the Halifax up there. Great lad off the pitch. Everyone, Wayne got with everyone. He was a handful, probably quicker than you think. And obviously he he played, I remember them, him playing up front with Andy Cole. Andy Cole was light years ahead of anybody in the division, never mind anybody at the Bristol City at the time. I just used to watch his movement and he used to, used to he bamboozle the defenders. He used to come off them and the defenders would try and get tight with him and he'd spin them in behind and there'd be about 10 yards trying to chase him. He was he was light years ahead. And then just Agostino, like Gary said, was a, a talented boy. He, he got out quickly, um, got a very good move. David Seal was an interesting one, wasn't he? If David Seal would have ran around he was an incredible finisher he just used to volley them in the net I don't know if you remember some of his goals I I um I actually do I um I was looking at those on YouTube when I was looking for Gary's goals <laughs> after the last one and he he never scored a tap in did he oh he could finish but he, he didn't want to he didn't want to run around Dave that was the only thing about him he wasn't particularly athletic but either foot he just volley them in um and then obviously Akambai came and Adi mm. was Adi was the you know I think Addy scored. He scored twenty odd goals the sort of last season when it when Gary had left. We were in the championship. I've got to say I didn't get twenty passes off him. Never mind twenty goals. <laughs> but even Addy was he was single minded to score. He wasn't going to pass it back. He was just trying to get on the turn and score. But I bet he scored fifteen headers that year. But he was just a powerful athlete. When he, he went on and done really well, and I bumped into him. I think he's an agent now. Addy, okay. nice, nice lad. But he had. But Sean Gota was. Like Gary said was was mental when he gets like how many different goals he could score. Yeah, that remember the goal against Watford where he, he turned a lad I work Rob Page who I work with now who was at Watford Centre half. 
Sean span him on the halfway line and I'm thinking, no, he'll never run him because he's in that quick. Like Gary says, he ended up running the whole way and like dinking it over the keeper and you're like, yeah. and then he could score headers and volleys and, you know, he got to the, like you say, he got to the, the top of the game, didn't he? And, and deserved it, but mm. not, the, not the fittest, Sean, was he? Not the fittest. Not when he turned up, he wasn't. <laughs> you mentioned Andy Cole there, Rob, obviously at the start of your time at Bristol City in the 92-93 season when he, obviously that was the, he was on loan and then he came and joined. Um, could you tell more or less instantly that he was going to be Andy Cole? Oh, he, honestly, he was, and he and he had that. He was single-minded as well. He, he knew he was, you know, slightly better than probably coming to Bristol City. I mean, they paid good money for him. He was sort of the, the club when I first came. Bob Taylor was the fans' favourite. When he Bob was a good player, yeah. quite an introvert off the pitch. Bob, but lethal goal scorer. And I remember one of Jimmy Lumsden's big sort of, you know, he's, you have big decisions as a manager, don't you? He moved Bob on, didn't he, to bring in Jakanowski? That was a big decision, and like. Jackie was an incredible player when he played for Poland so many times and the crowd mm. loved. But you just you just wonder if they could have kept Bob a little bit longer because he went on and did well at West Brom, didn't he, and, and scored. Mm. Um, but Jakanowski and Cole, we started off, I think it was 92, 93 season with those two up front. I think the Bristol City fans could dream for a, a short spell, but I think we kept enough out at the other end that those two were. Honestly, Jakanowski, like his touch and the, the things he used to do with the ball used to make me laugh because he, he, for somehow he could keep the ball off you but not touch the ball. He'd just do these body shapes and little shimmies. And uh, I, he was, I think he liked to party as well, bless him. Yeah. <laughs> was it, was his nickname like Pavarotti or something like that? Oh, I don't know. It was something to do with, he, he, could, he could fire it back. I just remember on a night out looking at him thinking, how are you such a good footballer? Because he was a mess off the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you ask if you ask people sort of of my age and and, and older who their sort of favourite players are, is is often Andy Cole, Jackie Jakanowski, Bob Taylor. Those sort of three three strikers. But uh, yeah, if we'd have had Taylor, Cole, and Jakanowski, I think we could have let as many goals in as we wanted. We probably would have scored more as well. Yeah, and, and going back to Wayne Allison, he helped all those lads because you know back in the day where there were huge centre halves, so you wanted to leave a bit on you. Wayne helped all those boys. He, he'd he'd take as many kicks as you wanted, and awesome. I mean, he ended up. I think Wayne one year top goal scorer. Why he went off to Swindon, I never really understood because I think he was top goal scorer at the club and maybe in one of them in the division, and he went to Swindon. So I always thought the club what, what you're letting the big man go for. Yeah, absolutely. So as we said at the start, Rob, you you went through seven managers in what eight years at Bristol City. What? What would you think was the sort of the main reason for that constant turnover, other than obviously setting setting goals, not reaching the goals? But there, there was quite a few managers you went through there. Yeah, I just think it was it was funny because a lot of them made really good starts to careers. Dennis Smith made a good start. Russell Osman did. They all all made good starts, but it was just whatever you say. Like Gary says, the recruitment. If you don't get it spot on, mm. and probably the club has never invested quite right in they're getting the top people top because you need to pay whatever the top recruiters earn in whatever year you need to go and pay that don't you and I'm not sure the club ever did so the managers I never felt had support I think in their own way they all could have done the job um, you just got to bring in top players for them I mean City have always spent the money haven't they there's no doubt they've always brought players in you know for, for decent money but you just got to get the right players 
you know, when Dennis Smith signed Andy Cole, well, that's the kind of level. You bring in two or three players in different positions of that kind of signing and you've got a chance of possibly getting out of the division, but it ne- never quite happened. And I always, I, it's ever so sad when we, like I said, we've both been through it. It's what the game is. It's not a nice business, but I always felt sorry for the people when they lost their jobs because you can see it coming, can't you? Mm. You can see when a manager's just up against it and, and they, they lose their jobs. But I'm sure if you asked all of them, you know, they did their best. It's what it's what the it's the the profession. We all know it. We all go into it, and we, we you know it, it's what it is. But they all did their best, and to be manager of Bristol City, whether it was for a year, like most of them were, I'm, I'm sure they're proud. But it didn't quite happen for the seven. Yeah, no, it didn't. Um, before we talk about your exit from Bristol City, um, we we've touched on this man before. Um, and when we went off air, Joe said, I m- wish I'd have talked more about Buster Footman. Um, but Joe recalls basically getting getting boxing gloves out and getting beaten around the changing room several times by Buster Footman. Uh, coming to you, Gary, first, what sort of character was Buster Footman? Well, a big character. Um, you know, he was he was part of the show, wasn't he? Every day. I mean, there's a... a I'm not going to swear, but there was a classic Robert Telly one one day we were we were training on Ashton Gates and um, I might have told you the story before. A player goes in injured. Joe's got to join in the five aside. Chucks the the whistle at Buster. He says, "There's no. It's only a small sided game. There's no goals. There's two cones that mark the, the goal." And Joe says to Buster, "It's got to be under knee height for it to count." Um. <laughs> so funny enough we're talking about Junior Junior gets the ball he beats about he beats everyone he beats five players and rolls it in and the ball goes in on the floor the shrill of the whistle goes around Ashton Gate Buster everyone's not the Buster Buster's pointing towards the goal he went now Gowl <laughs> Junior's gone what what are you on about stuntman what are you on about that's it that. he says too loud it doesn't count. So we got the <laughs> got the rules mixed up. We and even Joe, I've never seen Joe Chorton laugh laugh so much. But I think he had Junior another day where he said uh, they were chirping at it, and he says, "You're so quick, Junior." He says, "I'll tell you what." He says, "I bet you I can beat you, and we'll do a lap of the a lap of the track." He says, "All oh, you got to give us a head start, though." So Junior says, "I'll get you can have any head start you want." He says, "What is it?" He says, "All you got to do is drink a cup of water." And uh, once you drank a cup of water, you can start chasing us. So he says, I'll meet you down the tunnel in two minutes. Junior's there doing his stretches. Buster's boiling the kettle, fills the, 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 the cup up with, with boiling hot water, walks down the tunnel, gives it to Junior. He goes, there you go. Toddles <laughs> off all the way around the track. Junior's spitting, trying to trying to drink the water. But no, he was just, he was just good. It was just his manner. Um, you know, he'd been in the... In the military, he was he was proud of that. He still had them deep rooted principles about timekeeping. He was well mannered. He treated with respect, and and you know there was, there was a line that that he didn't cross with them. Everyone knows about them. Just you know, in the middle of the winter, he'd be he'd be turned up in his t shirt and that, which which was he was, was well known for it. Unbelievable, really. But yeah, he was he was just a he's just an all around nice guy. I thought. He was pretty rapid with the best, himself, with the best actually, name ever for a physio. Yeah, Buster Foot. <laughs> yeah, no, and when he when he 
would run onto the pitch, it was almost like a, a star player was coming on at times because, you know, when he was running on to, to treat someone, he almost got a, a, quite a good cheer, always got a good cheer from the crowd. Um, but as you say, always in a T-shirt. Um, yeah, some great memories. Rob, for you, did you have uh, many run-ins with Buster in the in the treatment yeah. room? Yeah, all the, all the stuff that Gal says about the man, he was like, you know, he was he was just so kind, really. And he'd been in the army, and he, he never once made you feel, with all the injured lads, at times I looked at him, you must have thought, these are a lot, what a load of softies, you know what I mean? He, some of the things he'd seen, but he didn't, it was a lot of care. That yellow T-shirt, like you say, was iconic, wasn't it? You know, mm-hmm. coming on at Ashton Gate. And I think the game's sort of worse in it, that there's not characters like Buster around. Yeah. It's gone a little bit more sort of corporate, hasn't it, and businessy. But you know, even the even the the Birdies and the Sean Taylors and Dave Martins, you know, and I think the fans sort sort of knew what kind of people these lads were. And Buster was the same people, you know, although they probably never met him, they knew what he was about and and what he was for and how proud he was to be at, at Bristol City. But he, he was a he was a, an absolute gentleman, and it was very sad, you know, when we lost him quite recently. Um, but good man and nice family, lovely wife, but very very sad. Yeah, yeah, great tributes. Uh, to Buster Fitman. Um, okay, so exit from Ashton Gate then. Uh, coming to you first, Rob. You you moved on to Preston, um, and under under Tony Pulis, was that just a, a new opportunity? Um, how did that come around? Yeah, I never actually spoke to to um, Tony. Um, I signed my last contract at Ash, uh, City. I signed John Ward at Dunwell. Gary mentioned we got in the playoffs, and he said, "Look, we're, we're you know it's going to move forward to a signed two-year deal." Uh, we got promoted the next year, and the next year we got relegated, finished bottom of the league, and that last year was torture for me. Didn't play loads under Benny. Um, all these foreign players coming in, it, it was a nightmare. So I, I said to myself, "I've got to go." I was 26, I had to go, and funnily enough, do you know what? I, I didn't have lots of interest I was worried I might not get a club and the, the, I don't know if you remember the first day of pre-season there was an article and it was where are these players and we hadn't turned in for pre-season training and I was one I think Adam Locke might have been another and the club was all over the place our contracts were up um, I hadn't been offered a new one then that week Tony Poulos phoned me and said look you've been here for eight years I'll offer you a testimonial and I said look Tony Nothing personal, but I just got, I've been here too long. I've not played mm. loads of games recently. I've, I've got to go. And I'd agreed, believe it or not, I, Grimsby offered me a three year deal on a lot more money than I'd ever earned at Ashton Gate. So I was driving all the way to Grimsby and I got nearly there. Uh, and my missus said to me, I ain't coming up here with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to her, you're right. So I turned back round and as I was driving back down, David Moyes phoned me and I went to Preston, signed a three-year deal. But I was lucky. I was lucky because I didn't have those, that last year at Ashton Gate, I was injured a lot. I was, it weren't happening for me. I needed to get out. And it was the right time to move on. People at Ashton Gate had seen me play enough. I'd been injured far too much in and out of the team. I'd had my time, I'm afraid. So those regrets stay with me. I had, I did have eight years, but I didn't have probably enough consistent years which I could show people what I did. But uh, oh, time to move on for me, without you, a doubt. You must have had quite an impression on David Moyes because him as a manager, he's gone from strength to strength. I was lucky because I moved into a, a team and a club, like I said before, going places. And the players were, were had that mentality that not everyone at Ashton, all the, all the players did at Ashton Gate, which was like, we're going somewhere and we're going to do it together. And I went into a team. And we'd, we'd had it in small berths at Ashton Gate. 
you know, we got promoted uh, mm. with John Ward. That that was it. But a lot of times we had two or three managers, players, so we didn't have that tight knit dressing room, which you need to do well, don't you? Or we all know that the fans know the ex players know it. Unless you have a dressing room that wants to work for each other, you don't do anything. So I went into Preston and we nearly got in the Premier League and it was, you know, and I still speak to a load of those lads. They were similar age to me. So it was time to go as much as I enjoyed my eight years. Mm, cool. Okay. Um, and for you, Gary, you moved on to Notts County? Yeah, I did. Um, a bit older than Rob, I think 29. Um, we'd been promoted the season before. I'd, I'd, I'd started the season. Uh, I picked up a really serious foot injury, actually, really serious. Could have, could have almost lost me, me foot at one point. Right. Spent, spent a couple of weeks in in hospital, and when I was in hospital and and recovering, the, the lads went on this unbelievable victory. I think they won something like fifteen in a row, and you know we're going to storm the league. I was getting fit at the end of that season. I started at the wobble. I could have went off to Burnley. I went to see John Ward. He sort of said, "No, I'm, I'm. You can't go." I says, "Well, you're not, you're not playing." As like, he says, "No, I might need you," and, and that's how it turned out. He brought us back in the team um, at the end of the season just to make sure we got over the line. I mean, we got over the line. I say we stumbled over it because we we should have won the league actually, and we we didn't. We finished second. Lost at Preston, didn't we? Um, yeah, we did. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I was in a bit of limbo pre-season. He'd they'd gone away pre-season they went overseas somewhere or being seasick in somewhere I think in Norway or somewhere like that they left me behind John had sort of said that he felt Matt Hewlett and, and Tommy Doherty were, who were obviously very very young players would have come through and got the team and done well that was the future and my chances might be limited it might be worth thinking about leaving and 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 Rob's just said that he didn't play a lot that season and, and, and I got a three year contract at it not count Usam Maladai, so it was a no-brainer for me. Obviously, you know that security at that time of career mm. was important, but um, it was a regret. I think if I'd hung around, and you never want to hang around if a manager doesn't really want to play you. But John didn't last long, and I think that I still had something to offer because they were a very, very young team. Rob said that they brought all different types of players in. And none of them really made a big impression, and and I just think that you know I could have seen out that that year, and and who knows what would have happened after that. But um, you move on, and and yeah, I was I was slightly slightly sad to be to be leaving Bristol, but always sort of kept my roots in Bristol. And, and when I finished um, at Notts County, which was actually four years later, 34, 35, I think it was, I came back to Bristol. Yeah, and the fact that you both settled in Bristol, we touched on that earlier, but were either of you ever tempted or ever offered a move to the other side of Bristol? So uh, down to Bristol Rovers, Rob, was that ever on the table? Um, I remember, because I went from Preston to Blackpool, I remember that summer, I remember I got a phone call about would I be interested, and I was like, do you know what? It it, it ain't for me. It's not for me. (laughs) but I remember saying to a couple of old, I won't name who he is, but I remember saying to somebody, would you have signed? He was a, quite a popular, we've mentioned his name. And he said, no, you've got to play for it. I'd have played for them. I said, no, not not for me. They they weren't they weren't having me at all, the Rovers fans. You know what I mean? I, I think 
when, when I moved from Black to Blackpool from Preston, it's all right if you're having a reasonable game, but any average game, they're on you because of your history. They're on you. You're going to get some. So mm. I just think any any player who's played for City who goes to Rovers, you're you're going to get it eventually, aren't you? They're yeah. not going to forget. That's right, Danny Coles. Uh, same question to you, Gary. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting that question, but um, the answer is no. Never, <laughs> never had the opportunity. Never, not once. Yeah, fair play. I was okay. caught us by surprise there. Eh? I was listening. I was listening to something the other day about Lee. I forgot Lee Clark played for Sunderland and Newcastle. If you can do it up there, then surely. Yeah. Well, he he, he he couldn't know, can he? Because he he made a massive error of judgment yeah. when he was at Sunderland. I think Newcastle got the cup final, and he was pictured at the cup final in in his Newcastle shirt, and um, he was finished, wasn't he? Yeah, not good, mm. not, not the right move. Whilst we're on the subject, uh, we haven't talked about derbies. You're both in the, quite a few derbies in, in your time at Bristol City. Um, memories from you for you, Rob, of of the of the Bristol derbies, and for me as a fan, I'm absolutely gutted that we aren't you know, we aren't having any games, and we haven't had any in in recent times, really. Um, but uh, what an atmosphere, what a night that must have been on those games, Rob. Uh, like Gary said, unbelievable, honestly. And like, you know, the whole city's, you know, a poorer football city for it. And i got to say, when I first came to Bristol, um, 91, Rovers were a really good team with some top players. Andy Tilson, Ian Holloway was still playing. And they had a bit of a hoodoo over us, didn't they, for two mm. or three years. And I'll, I'll never forget, I, I didn't play in this game, but one of the only times we beat them, I think Gary played, we won 4-2, didn't we, at Twerton. Oh, yeah. Joe Jordan, manager. And I know Joe had had some tough days at Twerton. And the lads told me they'd never seen Joe celebrate like oh, that Oh, it's unbelievable. At Twerton, took, never, ever Even took him. us back to the, the pub. What was the yeah. pub across the road called? Um, Wedlocks? Yeah. Uh, right. Took us across there when we got back and, and bought us all a pint. I remember some some derbies. Joe Jordan actually going up to the East End and telling everyone to calm down. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was a derby. No, we wanted Rob's right. He did. He did celebrate that day. It was. Um, I mean, Twitten Park was awful. One at the, the pitch yeah. that day was just like rolled mud. And um, my first couple of derbies, like I mean, we got. We got beat, I think, 2-0. Well beaten, easily beaten, and, and and we lost a couple. And then we we sort of got the upper hand and, and we started winning quite mm-hmm. a few. Twerton Park and then uh, up at the Mem as well. Yeah, fantastic. Do you remember the, do you remember the 4-0 I got beat? This is before your time, Gary. Dennis Smith, manager, live on telly Sunday. Bristol City had strong team Bjorn Christiansen on loan from Newcastle. Oh, we yeah. Got, we, got, we got beat 4-0 live on telly against Rovers. They yeah. battered us. I remember Dennis Smith, he nearly killed us in the dressing room. That was a, well, what about the, the game we played that was on telly? With oh, the, yeah. the infamous uh, pitch invasion? Oh, City Rovers. <laughs> so that was, that, was a, that was a draw, I think, wasn't it? I yeah. think a beetle in the last minute. I might like, give the ball away actually late in the game. Yeah. I got sent <laughs> off, Gary. In. I got sent off in that game. Yeah, yeah I knew something had happened, yeah. but it was like, it was just unbelievable, really. Because, I mean, there's, we've seen pitch invasions, but not. Not during the game, and them Rovers lads sort of scarped, picked the wrong tunnel, didn't they? Went went it good for the old tunnel down the down the middle of the pitch, and, and had to do a U turn, and um, pretty scary scenes. But brilliant, brilliant memories to play in them games, though. Brilliant, aren't they? Not scary as a car park at Twerton Park after that game. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> it's yeah. another story. 
as a as a as a fan watching that and watching that pitch invasion as a young fan um it was pretty it was pretty scary scenes to be fair and then you, you sort of you, you reflect on it the next day and you think that was on sky what 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 must people think of bristol now and it was it was something they brought up for a number of years thereafter gary wasn't it yeah i remember getting when i got down the tunnel i think ian Holloway was already getting interviewed saying i thought i was thought i was going to die you know I mean, they did. It was pretty serious stuff. Mm. But it, listen, it happens. Then, thankfully, and I'm not just saying it. I, I hope that that no one did get get hurt that day. You don't you don't want that to happen, do you? But mm. it just shows the the feeling between the two sets of supporters. And and like I said, that was something um, that I'd never seen, and and I've witnessed it firsthand. And you know, I look forward to the next one. Goodness me, they are they are really really um, passionate affairs, aren't they? Yeah, fantastic. So it's one that you always look forward in the the, the the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. Imagine if we can get that to, get that to happen. Um, in terms of what you're up to now, Gary, obviously we know um, that you are on Radio Bristol as co-commentator quite often and and, and absolutely enjoying that role. Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, gets us out, uh, keeps us up to speed with what's happening. Obviously, with the football, I've watched. I've watched hundreds of games. To be fair, in, in my roles, I've, I've, I've been in recruitment. I've been a scout. I've, I've been a coach and a manager. I mean, my day job, I, I actually work for the national league, so I'm head of player development for the national league. Um, set up sort of an academy system for clubs at national league level, national league north and south. So, obviously, that's been disrupted by COVID. So, pretty frustrating times. Um, so I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity to get out and, and and watch the games and then, like Rob just touched on, when we when we do get a bit of spare time because because he's busy as well, uh, Rob, myself and uh, Paul Borden, who used to play for Swindon, of course, um, we try and have a have a game of golf as often as we can and we miss that as well. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. that's coming back soon, I think, isn't it? Is it is it a March the 29th job it or is. April the 12th? 29th okay it is excellent well yeah but you're counting down the days for that one um and rob what are you up to these days so i i um i coach for the faw the football association of wales i take their under 19s team so we're both very lucky that we're still in the game we um i suppose you could call us failed managers gas could you we've both had a go at management and didn't well, had a go and first better to have a go than not have a go absolutely but... mate you know we we both know the the pitfalls of that. I think we enjoyed our time. Would we do it again? I think we'd probably be a little bit more choosy, but we're both lucky to both still be in the game. The game doesn't owe you a living, does it? You know, we've both been in the game. We're probably still trying to recreate those days of playing that we're both we're all talking about tonight. But I'm, I'm lucky to still be in the game. Um, watching games is brilliant, but there's no better thing than playing. Do you know what I mean? So that's why it's uh, enjoyable to talk about it tonight. Absolutely. And in terms of uh, the under-19s in, in the FA of Wales, have you got any exciting prospects coming through? Yeah, we, we I mean, we, we we don't have sort of bucket loads of quality, but we have, you know, three and four in every age group and they move through the teams. The last under-19s team we had, we had Nico Williams, who obviously played for Liverpool and in the senior squad. And he's made his debut, like I say, for, for the senior team, moved through quickly. So it's about helping the young lads. It's more, you know, it's development football. We all like to win. So we like to win the games, but it's about, you know, when I worked at Southampton for two years in their academy and I, 
for the first couple of weeks, I don't know what I was thinking, but I had to I had to get my head round that look, you're trying to help these young players, and it's such it's such a difficult thing to be a footballer now. So if I can help any of the young lads that I work with, you know, I, I take great pride in that. Brilliant. Well, both thank you so much for coming on um, Robins Reunited. It's uh, it's been great to to speak to you guys about about the nineties and uh, playing for Bristol City and some of the some of the players you guys have played with are, are, were my heroes growing up, as you were yourselves. And I meant that at the start. You both were Mister Consistent. You were always consistent performers, which is something that we that that we sometimes miss in in particularly in the last few seasons as you get. You get players that are playing like a three or four out of ten one game and an eight out of ten the next game. But uh, for me, you're always you're always consistent. So uh, thanks for the memories. Thanks for joining me, and hopefully you've enjoyed reminiscing as well. And good luck with the golf. <laughs> Thank you, Patch. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Patch. Thanks, yeah. Rob. Yes, Take care. Well done. Well done, thanks, nice. everyone. Cheers. White walls, the feeling of home, warm smiles, the crash and burn.